Hi, my name is Bridget. Hi, my name is Adam. And, and we've, we've never, never seen, seen The Master. master. I almost said Master and Commander. So I have seen that movie. movie yeah. We will do that <laughs> one. Yeah. I've never seen that one either, so I wouldn't have been lying had I said that. So we've already got Josh penciled in for that. Okay, yeah, sorry, Josh yeah. needs to be a part of that. Welcome to another episode of Fine I'll Watch This. As always, my name is Johnny, and I was supposed to be in the hot seat, but we're doing a little bit of a uh, reversal here. Uh, since it is a birthday week, my birthday week, uh, yay. Um, thank you. Um, no candles. No candles. And I just threw out cupcakes. <laughs> so the powers of B decided that why don't we let Johnny pick a movie for Adam and Bridget to watch? And this one has been sitting on the list or was on the list. Maybe it was added. I certainly wanted to be on the list for a while. But I figured maybe this one was going to collect dust a little longer than others. So I decided why not and do it for this occasion. So, Adam, Bridget, you guys have not seen The Master. Which one do you guys want to explain first? Um, I can go. Yeah. I have not seen The Master. I remember it coming out and it being a big deal. Because it's Paul Thomas Anderson as the director, and he's long list of things that people think are very, very good. I was looking at the filmography earlier, and I think I've only seen Boogie Nights and Phantom Thread. Boogie Nights, I like way more than Phantom Thread. Okay. <laughs> um, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it, and Joaquin Phoenix, yep. maybe? And I remember that being a thing. I don't remember at all what it's about, and I don't remember why I wouldn't have gone at the time, other than... I just don't think that he's in my wheelhouse, so I wouldn't have been like, ooh, I have to see the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie the way that I think you would, Johnny. Sure. To be like, oh my god, new new film of his, gotta be there, day one, week one, whatever it is. That's not me. And I've talked about this before. Like, I don't normally go out for the directors. I go out for something that intrigues me, be it the story or the actors or source material or what have you. Um, so this just never, I don't think, was on my radar in terms of a potential viewing experience. I don't think there's anything against it necessarily, other than Paul Thomas Anderson isn't necessarily a favorite. I mean, you've essentially seen the bookends of his career, because Boogie Nights was one of the first ones, and Phantom Threat was the last one. So you've seen kind of the progression of this director. Yeah. Um, and I won't kind of see where this movie particularly lands. It's gone downhill for me. <laughs> <laughs> As far as I know, it's a straight downward trend. <laughs> Bridget, I know we actually went and saw Phantom Thread, I think. That's right. Yeah, I think it was me, you, Brian, a couple other stragglers came along for <laughs> us. What is your history with PTA? Um, not much more than Adams. I've seen Boogie Nights. He did There Will Be Blood, correct? Yes, which is also on our list. It's on our list. I have not seen it. I know it's a big hole. Um, Next I've... birthday, we can. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed Phantom Thread probably more than you did, Adam. Yeah. But I know he's a great director. I've enjoyed everything he does. But sometimes his movies feel like work. Mm. Like I want to be prepared to go in to watch it and be in the right headspace to actually take it in and appreciate it and not just kind of throw it on on a lark. Yeah, this isn't a you're scrolling through cable and the new Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, oh shit, the master's on 40 <laughs> yeah. minutes in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
This movie sat in my Netflix queue. It probably is still there. For years, though, I have wanted to see it um, because of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, I believe Amy Adams is in this as well, who I adore. There's some things in the plot which I find intriguing, the little bit that I do know. But just, I wasn't ready until today. Yeah, he's not a conventional director by any means. Mm-hmm. And most of his work has been acclaimed throughout his career, which makes him sort of almost prolific at some for some reason or another for critics. I don't think his movies always land with mainstream audiences. I would mm-hmm. say maybe most of the time that's not the case. Which again, for something like Phantom Thread, which I would say is probably his least accessible movie out of the ones he's made. So he's gone where Boogie Nights was more of kind of figuring out where he wants to be career-wise, kind of emulating Scorsese, even sort of after watching, like, The Player, like, last week, you know, with Magnolia and some of his other movies, kind of the inspirations were there and not really his own voice, where things kind of like with Punch Drunk Love and There'll Be Blood and this one, he really found, like, his own voice, his own sort of, like, beat that he likes to, you know, march along to. This one, when I first watched it, kind of blew me away. It's hard to explain why it's a movie that I find challenging in a good way. I find that the acting is just tremendous, which is a huge thing. There'll be a takeaway, I think, for you guys at the very least, whether you like the storyline or not, I think is going to be objectively across the board. We're going to be like, yeah, this is this is excellent acting. The storyline, again, Bridget, I don't want to touch too much into it. Mm-hmm. I find intriguing. It's somewhat topical considering maybe some of the past things that people have been covering over the years in news mm-hmm. and uh, some other reality shows and other things, but that it's also a very, I don't want to say like avant-garde, artsy type movie, but it's very proud of its technical merits. This, the cinematography is excellent. When they first put it out, it was touted as the first movie to be shot entirely in 70 millimeter, which I think the last one was like Hamlet in the 90s. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there were a lot of certain things that people were like, oh, I got to see this for this. Did that. you see it in 70 millimeter? I saw it in New York. It it, it was kind of like a quasi 70 millimeter. It wasn't a, an actual 70 millimeter, but it yeah, was on. It was came. it was a film projector. Yeah. Again, most places don't even yeah, have that anymore. Know. I know that was a big problem with Hateful Eight. Hateful right? Eight, yeah, I think it another. Was just like finding the 50 cinemas in the state. Yeah, like the one Alamo draft house that was doing yeah. it. Okay. Um, Johnny Greenwood does a score for this. He kind of started doing it with him, you know, of Radiohead fame. Uh, he did it for The Dolby Blood, and he's been tagging along ever since. So if you enjoyed, like, say, like, the Phantom Thread music, music he did that music, too. So it. it's just very whimsical, and it was uh, something if you had kind of... It was delightful. Kn- it was delightful, yeah. yeah. All I remember is that movie was about a seamstress that likes his breakfast very particular. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There might he cannot be a, start his day with a right. confrontation. Yeah, that's all I remember. And some kind of like old English town inn or something. Yeah. So that's that's the extent of that. The greatest breakfast ever ordered. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think Benjamin with Babbage like, did it like the next week or something. <laughs> He's like, we got to cover this one. So I think most people kind of go into movies, like you said, Adam, wanting like, a good storyline. They want some good acting to go along with it. So for something like this, which is, you know, I will admittedly say it's more of like a character study. It's more proud of its technical merits, like I said before. It moves at its own pace, which can maybe, to what Bridget said, may seem like work. Or it may seem like just very unique and has its own voice and soul. So I guess 
since Adam, you don't know the least amount of this movie. Do you know anything plot wise at all about this? Did you read like an IMDb? I haven't. I haven't line done that or anything. For this one, um, I was just looking up you know, filmographies earlier. Sure. So, I, but I missed the like blurb. Okay. And cool. That's cool. I almost don't want to after I got burned last week <laughs> by the blurb giving me one idea and then the film being not even close. To right. That idea that I got put in my head. So no, I don't. Uh, I remember at the time. Like being like knowing what it was about, but I, that's gone now. Nine years later. Sure, sure. Um, so again, I I mean, I'll kind of prepare you a little bit that it's a movie that doesn't want to give you the meaning, the messaging on a plate clearly there for you. It's intentionally kind of opaque in, in nature. So I mean, I want you to kind of expect that going into it, mm-hmm. where maybe the other things that I was talking about are the things that you'll take away from it enjoy a lot more but it is a movie that people continually say oh you've got to enjoy it more repeat viewings who knows you may never want to revisit this movie again it, it, at the very least it may want you to read about it and what pe- may people have said because there are different meanings and things uh of that nature with this one and then i guess i don't know, bridget just from what you know does what you know about the movie excite you a little bit is it something that you enjoy it do okay cool all it right do. good good I won't say if it's based on historical elements or if they kind of take liberties or whatever, but it is, I will say the time period is like a post-World War II. Okay, I was going to say, I yeah. remember this not being a, of 2012. No, it's not, it's, yeah, it's not a, uh, a current day um, storyline. Again, there'll be other things like, you know, clothing and uh, sets and other things that maybe you'll enjoy as well, but... Yeah, again, I, I kind of like that you don't really know a lot about it and you're not taking a plot line and kind of reading too much into it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Again, I, it is a, li- on a little bit the long ones that we typically do, so I don't want to spend too much time uh, on the intro. But are there sort of any other things you guys want to quickly cover? Are you guys any favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman, Walking Phoenix movies you've seen of late that you enjoy, Amy Adams? Uh, just everything she does. Yeah, she's really good. She's really good, yeah, and a lot of stuff. Inherent vices in my head because of Paul Thomas Anderson. What was the one she did with Christian Bale where it was like the 70s and he was fat? Oh, um, oh advice in it. The David or, O. Russell yeah, one, yeah. Or no, Christian Bale. Uh, American Hustle. American, American Hustle. Hustle, yeah. Thank you. I knew it was two words and I knew it was similar to that. And then I was confusing it with Vice, which also had Christian Bale where he was fat. In <laughs> 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 so my, my head was just doing this like weird cognitive loop. Yeah. Of like, no, none of this is yeah, right. Yeah, And she's also in Vice too. She's. Um... Yes, Cheney's wife. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So there, she's good in both of those things. She's good. She loves to play against I a saw, larger Christian Bale. I just saw Enchanted for the first time, like a so delightful couple months ago, and that was really fun. I'm I, not seeing that front to back. It was fun. It's it was, cute. Yeah, it's I, great I, I, I imagine it's a great. It, to me, it seems like a great fish out of water story, which it seems like that's what it. Oh yeah, and it nails the Disney princess vibe kind of thing. Yeah, so she was really good in that. Sharp Objects. She was really good in that. Um, Arrival. I don't know if you guys saw Arrival. I did see Arrival. That was really good. Yeah. Arrival. We'll she's in OK Lois Lane. She's really got the hardened journalist. Oh, right. The Man of Steel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. right. Man of Steel universe. But yeah, I mean, she's just good in everything. Yeah. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is too, but he's one of those people that he's in so many things where he's good that I just can't remember outside of your Boogie Nights and yeah. various Twister. things. Twister. Yeah, Twisty Grand Twister. <laughs> I mean, later on you get into like Capote and some other ones that he's been like. Doubt I think was one that he got nominated for. No, I believe doubt. this. I believe also this, Amy Adams. Yeah, excellent yeah. in Doubt. 
Yeah, and I believe this this so this movie was the last one he was nominated for before his passing. Mm-hmm. This wasn't his last movie though, right? I don't believe it was the last ones. No. I did a quick check earlier. I think he did the Hunger Games or something oh, like that. Right. He was in he the was... Hunger Games. So, but as far as something that kind of gave him any sort of like nominations and notoriety as far as like acting, accolade or accolade wise, then it would have been this one. Okay. Yeah. And, and then Walking Phoenix, I can take or leave. Okay. I mean, he's. He's fine in things I've seen him in, but at no time am I like, oh, he's amazing. I got to see everything he does. It's just like, okay, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. He always puts me on edge. I think that's by design. I don't know this movie's going to But not, I know, like, in the way, like, I know you're trying to. You're trying, and I can see behind the... mm, Yeah. I think he is talented. There's some, sometimes I just don't. I mean, did you guys? You guys saw the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. See, I didn't really care for it as much as other people. I don't so I, get the hype. It's fine. Yeah, it's... I think it's fine. I think you take him out of it, and it's like some like cheap taxi driver knockoff. And what's it's... the greatest comedian or whatever that Scorsese movie is? Like, it's that movie. Well, it's like the King of Comedy, King of Comedy. with Taxi Driver mixed mm-hmm. in, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. And I would, I, I would have pegged Walking taking the trophy for this. To be quite honest with you. Mm. But I think it was... I think he's always been that type of actor where he's so against awards, very vocal about it, sometimes doesn't even attend the award ceremony. So I think around then, I think they maybe just said, oh, you don't want it? That's fine, I won't give it to you. And I don't know if that was really the case, but you may say walking away from this, be like, wow, like that was maybe the... I, for me, it's the best performance. And we won't get into too much, and I don't want to be hyperbolic about it. But um, for me, this is his best one, and I would have said that he would have taken it that year. I don't remember who he was up against, but I was like, he's incredible in this. Very chameleon-like, but... uh, Did you see the one where it's a documentary, but it's yes, like... Yes, I'm not there, or... Or I'm still here, or one of, one yeah, of yeah. those. Did it was, like it? It, I mean, it was bizarre. I mean, I at the end of the day, I enjoyed the stunt nature of it, where it was kind of like, okay, he wasn't really trying to be a rapper. It was all for the movie. You know, all the Letterman appearances and everything like that was just yeah. a very weird way of marketing this movie um and again it was just kind of like you know like almost like a daniel day lewis type of situation where he's just even offset he's playing that character but he's played for like another like another year essentially (laughs) i I just find that tiresome Mm. oh yeah i I mean i I don't fucking enough yeah (laughs) (laughs) enough already just stop it knock it off it, it like it really like shows. it turns me into right. my father. Like <laughs> fucking stop it. <laughs> These kids and their damn dogs. Yeah. Nonsense. <laughs> tomfoolery. <laughs> so much tomfoolery. Yeah. Can't abide it. I don't know. You guys want to cover anything else? I have one question. Sure. Because one of the big, and I think I mentioned this talking about it either in passing or on the show, was the one of the reasons I didn't like Phantom Thread is I didn't feel like there was conflict. Like, there wasn't a point. It was just, like, a day in the life of this eccentric man. Yeah. But there wasn't, like, a your typical story beats of, like, rising action, falling action, climax, all these different things. Is this kind of the same? Or is there, like, a point and a plot and a... Like yeah, there's there 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 is a progression of characterizations and people coming together and conflicts happening with those characters okay. where it like it hinges on those people's actions. But yeah, it's not so much like a David Linklater film where there's no plot and we're just walking with uh, a group of people for a day. It's yeah. nothing like that. Okay. So I think you'll still get some sort of plot elements and sort of arcs out of this movie. It just it's just not as cut and dry and like, hey, here's a 
ABC movie, mm-hmm. if you know what okay. I mean. Yeah, I just want to make sure that there's no, there's something. Yeah, to watch it. We'll have something. We'll have something to talk about afterwards. I don't okay. think it's gonna be another Arnett situation. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. I mean, even that one technically had rising. Act, it, you know, it gave climax. us something to talk about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That had at least all of the core elementary school story elements to it. <laughs> Guess is all I'm looking for. But no, yeah. that was it. That was it for me. Cool. Well, what do you guys have to say for yourselves? Fine, Fine. I'll, I'll watch, watch it. it. back we have just finished paul thomas anderson's 2012 the master i'm going to imagine there are some polarizing thoughts throughout like much of a lot of people walking out of this movie and people that i've talked to but i'm gonna first go to my left and (laughs) ask bridget how she's feeling after the master (laughs) (laughs) um just I don't know. I'm bummed, man. It ends in such a heavy way. So much of this movie feels very dreamlike. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The score is very hypnotic. The, the score imagery. Is, yeah, and there's bizarre things occurring in it. Um, I don't know. I'm just... Like, this was an objectively good movie, but I have the same feeling of, like, I don't think I got this movie. Same. Yeah, it's... <laughs> and I, and I'm like, I want, I, like, I want to do... Now I want to do that homework of, okay, what's going on here? Do some closer scene analysis, all of that, but... It's a I lot, have it's, a lot, it's a lot of to chew on the first bite, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Adam? I definitively don't get it. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> This isn't one of those things like last week where I'm like, no, I get it. It's just not for me. I honestly, I don't get it. Okay. I, the acting is superb. All of the technical things are great. The lighting is great. The shots are great. I loved every single shot of, I assume it's them trailing behind a boat, like the water and you see the wake and the different blues. Yeah. Gorgeous stuff. Um, Joaquin Phoenix performance is good. Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance is good. Amy Adams' performance is good. I don't get any of it. <laughs> I I don't know what's happening. I honestly don't. I am very confused. It's all out there, but it doesn't... I don't know if it's just I'm not reading it right. It doesn't flow very well because it's all jumpy and all over the place. I don't... I don't get the... The ending that seems like it goes back to the beginning, but it 
Like, it, was this all a dream? Did he pass out on the beach next to the naked sand lady and none of this happened? Why is he 45 and dating the 16-year-old in 1941? <laughs> I don't... I don't... I don't know. I... Yeah, I don't get it. So, I'll... <laughs> Johnny, I'll try to I'll try to enlighten birthday. us a little bit of it. Um, it's your party. You can explain this movie if you, you want, want to. to. So, we can all agree there's a cult-like nature to what's going on. Oh, yes. He, he is there's, involved in a cult... It's post-World War II. Mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix is a drifter of sorts. He's an alcoholic, an extreme alcoholic, mm-hmm. yeah, to the point of thinner. drinking paint thinners and photochemicals, oh. anything that he can get his hands on. Yeah. Even early on, he's dismantling what looks like a uh, a warhead of some sort or missile in a submarine. I don't know if you guys got that, but he's in a submarine. Oh. Oh, he's, in a like, submarine. he's kind of like uh, taking a panel off, and he's dripping some sort of alcohol yeah. like chemical alcohol or something yeah. out of a missile wait i just i i knew he was on a ship because i knew he was right. a sailor i didn't realize it was a submarine and i just thought it was like water got trapped somewhere and, Same. That, he, and that he was just i was like oh, it was, it's kind of it's kind of shot dark and yeah I, I know you would think he's out in the open water they're just trying to find it. a nice pu- a nice spring will, that yeah the rest of the movie so, you would i Probably should have cottoned on to that. Yeah, yeah but at that point, we hadn't seen him drinking weird stuff. So in, right. the, in the moment, I was like, oh, water got trapped in a duct on the ship. And he's clearing that valve where it gets trapped. Right. I think they're just kind of showing you that the problem is there kind of when he's still at war, or at least when they're coming back, and it's not so much a habit that he picked up Oh, well, yeah. And I mean, they're talking yeah. about it in what seems like their debrief as soldiers like the war is over we hear it on the radio which i did love that yeah um, hearing the like them still doing their regular work but hearing the war is over in pieces here and, and people and, are not going to understand what you've been through yeah exactly yeah. and they're talking about basically ptsd they're like they're gonna think you have a problem you don't they've not seen what you've seen mm-hmm. so i knew that he was messed up mentally from the war sure. i don't know if that was a childhood trauma or what or a millions and billions of years ago trauma apparently um <laughs> but yeah no i knew he was messed up from war at the very least right but it because you also get the sense that like even uh, he's kind of messed up before he gets there too yeah i mean i think later on he starts talking about when he does like that first processing with mm-hmm. um philip seymour hoppins lancaster dodd that he's like trying to find those pains that he's had in his life beyond the sort of like uh, the, the alcoholic pains or the war pains mm-hmm. i mean he sort of slept with a family member it's not really made clear whether he he initiated it or that they she got him drunk or something like that yeah. so there's something murky there where and the father's an alcoholic the father's an alcoholic yeah. the mother is Sick. mentally ill oh. yeah do they say ment- i know they said later that she says that she's in a loony bin hospital. or something oh, in a yeah. hospital yeah i think i missed the loony bin i remember during the like one-on-one with rami malik he's like you belong in the hospital with your mom because you're sick too i wasn't sure if that was just the general she's sick and in a hospital but you're crazy and needed a hospital or if they were both kind of mentally yeah um, no i think once he sort of spilled the beans to philip seymour hoffman's character that he sort of disseminated that information to his whole clan to kind of use against him in like a worst case scenario that we like we have a grasp on you mentally all of us do well yeah it's like the auditing right recording your your deepest thoughts yeah 
using them against you or for your benefit, quote unquote. Sure, sure. But yeah, so they talk about, you know, go and find uh, odds and ends jobs, you know what I mean? He was working on a cabbage farm and still making this crazy fucking alcohol that nearly kills some guy or does kill some guy to the point that he has to flee. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he's at a. I actually know that. So before that, he's That's, at the mall. He's yeah, at the mall. Sorry, which is a great little sequence, which is nice, and just some of the imagery and the photography. It's like Love. it looks like it just was stripped right out of like. Love that. Yeah, really nice, really nicely well lit. Yeah, they nailed the lighting on making it look oh. like a fifties photograph. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is, it's so vibrant and like the details in people's faces and. I think I shouldn't have got mad at him for sticking the lamp in his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy knows lighting. Just, yeah. <laughs> just catch a little tan. Just in there. Yeah. 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 Down, Unfortunately, we didn't down. have LEDs around that time, so he's dealing with these incandescents that just will burn, burn your face off. Yeah. So that we that's like when we first sort of see his violent tendencies too, which is, you know, there's plenty of people who have pains and are alcoholics and insane, but they're not a violent people. But they sort of said, okay, this person is also has yeah. violent tendencies. And, you know, this is someone who is drunk and unhinged mm-hmm. and just completely untethered from society in some ways. Like, Dot frequently yeah. calls him an animal. Yeah, he's got the posture of Gollum a... throughout the whole movie. I oh mean, my like, the God. Way, his the way he posture. holds his waist and everything is so and they're putting gangly. The pants and up oh, high yeah. and the tie goes too low. Oh, it's. It's sick. He has a he has sickening. a look in this movie that I can't really peg that I've seen anywhere else really. Oh, he just he What? He's doing he's, he's got this and granted that's after this movie. Yeah, so yeah, true. He true. might have taken cues from a mentally unhinged right. violent tendencies care like they're very very skinny. Similar. And he does I think he does that hands on hips in a weird way and he's got a little hunch to him. Yeah, so it might just be like a walking phoenix trait, kind of like a Robert De Niro face or what yeah. you know what i mean see but this see a joker felt uh, untethered this felt like a very like i i know people who when they're not well and they're not on medication look like that yeah, like oh, yeah, the, yeah. The draw, like even the face and the posture and the weird holding of the body there's just it no was, warmth in the eyes at all they're just like icy just like you <laughs> uh, but also scared it, it just very it's visceral, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. But, yeah, so, great sequence at the mall. We get, you know, that he's obviously... I love the tie choke. When he's like, all right, calm down, it's fine, it's fine. Let me just fix your tie. Yeah, just fix it. and he just strangles him with his own tie. Love that, I thought that was great. That was also just a fun fight scene, too. Yeah, he's throwing yeah. the, the, the little chair. sofa in front of him. He's whipping glassware. The wedding china. Yeah. It seems like almost every physical altercation that he's in is blocked or staged in a way that looks like they're actually hitting each other and not like... The, yes, and the, it sounds every slam. Every slam, like all the things that he does, just don't feel like they're padded in any way. No. PT is like just just hit him or smack him. Yeah, just like, throw like, him at a tie. Yeah, like even that guy at the bus stop, like way later on in the movie, like that guy gets it pretty uh, up a couple of good mm-hmm. slaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw blood on his shirt. Right. Yeah. But so whatever he he bails on the mall job, and now he's working at a cabbage farm, and that's where. In South America, it seemed like. No, he's in California. I think he's, he's in, in California. Salinas. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I that's how that. he like ends up. It's like basically he runs from the farm onto yeah. Dot's boat. Well, and then they said that they were going through the canal. That's why I was like, "Is he in 
Mexico? Is he in Panama? I couldn't tell from the bridge when they leave that that shot of the bridge and they're leaving. I don't know if that's the Golden Gate or what it is, but it might be the Golden Gate. It is. And they kind of go down west through the canal up to New York City, which God knows how long that takes, but a lot of processing time, a lot of... (laughs) A lot, of t- a lot of time, a lot of time holes to, to, to tra- traverse. So much time holes. So many time holes. But yeah, so whatever, he bails on the cabbage farm thing because th- he thinks he killed someone or he gets chased out of there. I mean, he definitely killed that guy. I, he probably did. It's not did. his fault because the guy drank it and he probably got a hold of it because right. he was giving out one sip at a time. I think he even said to someone like, no, 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 like that's enough. Like, yeah. I'm not going to give you any more. I definitely think this guy like slipped some extra and... Was also 110 years old. Sure, the sure. Of it. True. I know a lot of people in this movie make him out to be like he doesn't care for people, but there's like little flashes of that where he's like, yeah. no, 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 I don't want you to die. Or, or it might be, I don't want to get in trouble, but I feel like it's a little more than that where he really just doesn't want to hurt people. He just wants people to be on his, have fun with me, I'll get as drunk as me. As long I don't as, want to kill you, but. Yeah, as long as we're on the same team. Right, we're exactly. On the same side of everything. We can be friends and we can get drunk and have fun. Yeah. But you cross me, we'll slam your head into the sand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the picture tie for you. Yeah. Um, Knock the tray of grape tomatoes out of your hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or throw food at you or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then this is where it really kind of gets pretty strange, the movie, with the sort of like the hypnotic sort of the score gets kind of weird and trippy and we're on the boat and... We don't know who Philip Seymour often is right away. Yeah. And you get little flashes of it like, I've seen you before. We've lived past lives before. And it's like, what is he talking about? Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't even say past lives initially. It's... You look so familiar to me or something. You look familiar. Yeah. And his vibe is also spooky because he's very accepting right off the bat. Right. Yeah, you'd be hard-pressed to find a person who would find a vagrant drunk. Aggressive on, drunk. On yeah. their... Well, he, he might not have been aggressive at the time. He could have easily just climbed aboard and passed out in the, you know, in the cots or whatever. But you'd be hard-pressed to find a guy who's commander of a boat with his whole family on board for a wedding. And some random dude comes in wasted and talking about who knows what. Because clearly they spoke the night before. Nobody would put up with that shit. No. Unless no. you were a cult leader. Yeah, unless you were trying to just recruit, like, anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly the most vulnerable people who are these sort of drifters and mm-hmm. alcoholics and things of that nature. Particularly ones who make really good booze. Oh, yeah. 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 I, the One of the odd things about their relationship, though, and I think about the dynamic, you know, I think when we think about cults, we think about you know, people who are vulnerable, maybe not in the right headspace, like a, a Jonestown situation, mm. um, at its worst, yeah. um, but even just like a, a, you know, Yellow Deli, like kids at a dead show in a parking lot. Right. Like, who are like, maybe I'll go get some balloons or maybe I'll hop on this bus. Who knows? But Dodd is very clearly, that's not really the demographic he's going for, all these circles that he moves in our high society. He's at Laura Dern's nice fancy house. He's in the the New York mansion, essentially, doing mm-hmm. these things. You know, he's got his eyes on a much higher grift, I would think. So in keeping Quell on the boat, it's kind of, it does beg the question of what does 
what does he get out of this? Yeah, what does he bring to this whole thing? Yeah. yeah. Booze. Uh, well, the, yeah, booze. The, the booze is hooch. definitely initially, yeah. The hooch, the Jake, yeah. Um, and I suppose even the he hasn't had someone in his inner circle that has experienced the pains that he has. And he's like, now I can finally use some of these processes, these techniques and things that I've sort of mastered, at least I think that I've mastered, mm-hmm. that I can now really put against the ideal subject. Yeah. And not these people, these upper class white people who really don't have a lot of problems outside being in his circle, which they are completely mm-hmm. don't know what they're in for, but Yeah, they have pretend problems where they, they pretend problems. This yeah. guy would be the case study. Like this yeah, guy correct, would be yeah. the the basis of book three or book two if he didn't want to unearth the manuscript of book two. Right. Like this would be the guy that if you cure him and you make him a valued member of society and integrate him into the cult and he's calm, cool, collected and all that. Then he's, wh- he's it. He's validated. Yeah. yeah. He's now proven everything. You point to his track record of failure after failure after failure. He was a soldier who you know couldn't put up with what, you know, nonsense and authority and all these different things. And look, now he's perfect. So he's like the golden goose essentially. Right. Right. So we, before, I, I'm trying to think of when the first real con- – we had a real conversation with them about, oh, can you give me more of this booze or whatever? You know, I drank it all last night. And then I think Freddy goes down into the boat and he sees these people on the machines, which, again, I'm not sure what you sort of sort of picked up from there. What were your initial thoughts? What pe- people were doing? Oh, when they're doing They're all the, listening to headphones. And they're all listening to headphones. They're laying down. I forget. What's your face? is so familiar to me, but like I... Yeah. She was in Workaholics doing sort of past life depression. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, I mean, for me at least, it was, oh, yep, Scientology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The whole Dianetics. um, The Dianetics machine. Audits. There's a lot of talk about animals and humans are part of the animal kingdom. They're a separate thing or something like that. Yeah, humans are above the animal kingdom. We are above that plane. Yeah, we're not. We're above that crowd. We're not driven by what was it? it not instincts, but uh, emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was probably one of the things on the tape. So I mean, kind of stopping right there, like that was a huge inspiration for the story. Was not to do. This is Ron L. Hubbard. This mm-hmm. is not Scientology, but yeah, it kind of is. It kind of yeah. You kind of like it, but I like that it's not a biopic. A biopic, yeah, or because yeah, it. Couldn't even put, like, the kind of weird shit that, like, actually happened, I think. No. And have it be believable and cohesive in the way that this movie is. But I can't help but I start to go, like, oh, this, this, is this. Yeah. Does this line up? But at the same time, I don't know. I did like the, when he writes the little note, like... Do you want to fuck? Do you want to fuck? Smiley face. face yeah. And the girl just do it, like... Like, folds the note and puts she, it away. Oh, oh yeah, she's so up. far in that time hole, she doesn't know what the fuck that yeah. says. Dude, she's, she's reached, like, Delta Nu or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I don't care. Um, so, I mean, you kind of knew going into this it was going to be kind of Scientology. We, we didn't really, yeah. after the jump, talk about what you knew about this going in, but is that what it was, that it was about Scientology? I mean, it wasn't about or, or Scientology. Or roughly about kind of cult shit? Yeah, with... I think Scientology and L. Ron Hubbard as the inspiration, and it gives you the the outlining kind of parts of it. But I think the movie is wholly its own thing. Uh, yeah. Totally, it's not about Scientology, though it draws inspiration from it. 
it's about. I, the other thing is, I guess Quill is the protagonist, but even you still want to see Dodd reform him and help him in some right. ways, even though you know he's a, like the audience knows he's a bullshit artist. Some of his family knows he's a bullshit artist. His son knows he's a bullshit artist. Yeah. The New York guy, Mm -hmm. Mr. Moore, he knows. Sure does. Call it out right in front of everybody. Pig fuck. Excuse me. (laughs) Excuse me. But yeah, I mean, if you were were to try to find like an antagonist in the story, it would be Dodd. I think you'd have to point the finger at him. I guess. Because he he doesn't help Freddy, really. He That's temporarily true. does. That's true. He doesn't do him any good. And almost to the point where he just when, they're se- when, they're, when they're separated, Lancaster seems to be doing great in England. They're doing a lot better than this whole building and school. Yeah. They don't have this animal running amok. I know. They both help but each other being away from each other. They have the kids. The kids are taken away. Yeah, yeah that, that, also, that is true. Yeah. There's other, yeah. There's more that we don't see. There's right. something, enough has happened that Dodd says, if we meet in another life, we'll be sworn enemies. We'll be sworn enemies, <laughs> yeah. Just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he's not going to go easy on him. I forget what he says, but he's like, and I won't. I won't have any mercy on oh, you or yeah, something, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, something else must have happened, too, because when they have the phone conversation, he's like, who got to you? Who, like, who got to you? Why well, I think it's leave? like paranoia. And, um... What is the wife's name, played by Amy Adams? I I, I hardly got it in this movie, and I don't right. know if it was intentional, because I don't think her name is ever really said more than once, maybe. It's Peggy. Peggy. Uh, Peggy. I think okay. Peggy and that sort of inner sanctum get to him. Right. But, so as far as, like, what I think is one of, like, the better, or maybe the best scene in the movie is that first formal processing scene, mm-hmm. which... Is like an uninterrupted ten minute conversation, which is really intense, really well shot, really well acted. What do you guys think of that sort of how that played out? Joaquin Phoenix totally blinked like a bunch of times. It's <laughs> 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 all I was focused on. It was a great scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My joke does not diminish how good I thought the scene was. <laughs> but I was just looking like, is he gonna blink? Is he gonna blink? Okay, he blinked once. Oh, we're starting over. Good. Yeah. yeah. Seymour caught he caught it. Yeah. And then uh as he got more and more down the rabbit hole and started blurting out more and more truths, he, you could tell he was... He was His eyes were fluttering. He was, like, crying, though. It yeah. Was just, I don't and know. He just let it go. But I was like, dude, you're breaking your own rules here. You gotta start over. Right. Yeah. He, we can go deeper. We can get more truth. I don't yeah. think he wanted... I, I don't think he really wanted Three to interrupt questions. the progress that he was getting. He may have yeah. been surprised himself at how far he got with the guy. And how quickly. How quickly, too, yeah. It only took one reset for him to get, yeah, I fucked my aunt three times. She looked hot when I was drunk. Uh, I lost Doris. That that sucked. Right. And crying and pouring it, you know, hard out on a sleeve or whatever. But he totally blinked a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> it did seem, and I I think originally when I first saw this, I was like, oh man, Walking Phoenix. They they cut to Doris, and I was like, oh, is this going to be? I mean, again, that was probably very prevalent even back then. You know what I mean? Just sailors not really knowing girls' ages, whatever. It was just it is what it was. Yeah. But I mean, he had like the taste. To do like, hey, you're how old are you? You're just sophomore. You want to kiss me? Just kiss me on the cheek. And then yeah. I don't know how much time lapses where they're finally like kissing or whatever. But it seemed in the moment that he had a little bit of sort of maturity to the entire thing and knew not to go down that yeah I, <sighs> risky road. But yeah, but who knows? But, but or is it one of those things where you know he's meant to be a somewhat younger man and he just looks like oh no, absolutely, yeah, like yeah. Shit. yeah. 
Well, everybody back then looked like they were 65 she years was, old. Yeah, she was 16, I was 23. <laughs> right. Yeah, did they say... <laughs> December so this takes place before he goes to war. Before he goes to Singapore? When was Singapore? Singapore is... Is that him going to war? No, that's him. So he goes to war. Yeah. Comes back. I forget. Doris is someone who writes to him from, like... The school assignment? As a, yeah, or so... <laughs> I, private, honestly... Write a soldier. So she... He goes to visit her when he gets back. Falls in love... Of, Something I I can't piece together how yeah, their I mean, relationship you... comes together, but he tries to solidify it when he returns, and then I think gets wigged out and decides to essentially join another ship as like just like a merchant sailor. Yeah, is away probably fucks that up. Goes to work for the department store. Fucks that up. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't. I I got lost as to where that was. I wasn't sure if this was. Post-war, he's back and he's trying to get it. Or if that scene was before he went to war and he's meeting a girl and then, like, I just... I think the majority of the movie takes place in 1950. They say 1950 quite a bit throughout mm-hmm. the movie. So, give or take the progress of when he meets uh, Lancaster Dodd, which could be within a couple of years, three years, four years. The war ends in 45 and mm-hmm. he meets him in 50. So, there's five years in there. Where he's just drifting, yeah. That he's unaccounted for. Yeah. Other than Sears and Roebuck photographer, migrant farmer. Somewhere in those five years, he's doing those things. But yeah, I couldn't tell when this was. Because then also when he goes back, and again, I don't know when that takes place either, because it seems like there's a huge time jump again. But she's now 23. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going back to visit. So there's at least seven years there. So we're in at least 52, give or take. Yeah. So I think two years passes between him and Dodd. I think the math's there. It's definitely something that I don't think they would overlook or whatever, but no. it's, it's there in some but way or another. But yeah, he's an audience member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm confused as to, is this a flashback? Is this present day? I wasn't sure where it was going. And then it's like, oh no, she's 23. And I'm like, wait, okay, so it's at least 52 to 54? Like, I honestly... Yeah. What, what happened? We just he beat up a guy at the bus and then time, time skipped two years? Like, is that what we're doing? I'm confused. Yeah. I don't get it. so whatever we did the first processing scene and then i think we arrive in new york city and there's a couple of things that happen on the boat in between that that there's the wedding and there's the like breakfast the next day yeah like your unions you inspire him um yeah there's the listening on the the tape machines and all that just a lot of yeah. Getting to know everybody kind of things. Yeah, everyone in sort of the inner circle. And then yeah. I think we arrive in New York City where it's like we get the first like challenger to their whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um which is an interesting scene. I like that scene a lot. Yeah. It just like well him trying to help this woman who has like an ailment in her neck or something, but he just gives her a little more than I think she bargained for. It yeah. does cure the neck though. It does, does cure say the my neck. neck is yeah. yeah. But she was a man in armor, so she was probably some kind of old warrior yeah right but a man that very confusing to her and then yeah the, the uh who was the man <laughs> am <laughs> i the man i loved her laughing of like well, well i don't know my name am i a man what was that i know the inflections the way you'll talk back then <laughs> is so awesome 
But yeah, that's where we get the pig fuck. We get, you know, Freddy throwing fruit and we get sort of like that first thing where Lancaster's kind of showing ownership over Freddy. Like, Freddy, no, Freddy, like almost like a dog almost. Like, yes. he's the dinosaur, the dragon with the, with the whip leash. Around his yeah. neck. Now it's a leash. Like, that's the metaphor of, I'm going to talk. This Freddy is the dragon. He's unhinged and he's violent and he's he'll right. lash out and you can't control him but if i throw my whip around him then it's a leash now and he's my pet and that's freddy in a nutshell right right exactly so but it's 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 good to like actually see that like happen in public with other people and um and then later on uh of course he has to retaliate and not listen to his quote-unquote master mm-hmm. misbehave even farther and beat this guy mm-hmm. we don't really see it, it's off camera but you just hear a lot of, oh my god, yeah. wait a minute. We see Remy Malik. Oh! But just like... <laughs> Off screen. I like the progression. You see Peggy become more and more unhinged, I think. Oh, yeah. As the movie goes on and unsettled by It really starts presence. after the John Moore confrontation because then there's that scene where mm-hmm. he's furiously typing away and you can tell she's just been crying because her like her makeup's a little blotchy, mm-hmm. and she's just like they're just coming for us, and the only way we have to defend ourselves is to go on the attack. And he's furiously click clacking on the typewriter, and she's just talking about going to war for their beliefs and their ideals and their techniques and all this stuff. And I was like, oh damn, is she like the mastermind here? Like, is she the real master? But- yeah, well, I mean, it really. That quote right there in the movie just has so much more weight where he's talking about, like, if you find someone that doesn't have a master, like, you know, that's the only person. Yeah, good luck. Or, like, that's the only... You'll be the first one. You'll be the first one in the world. Yeah. So it's like, she... It's alluded to the fact that his master is her. Yeah. Because she is kind of, like, pulling the puppet strings a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, makes sense. The the movie does a brilliant job of sort of, like, you... Because it makes the audience kind of, like, he wants to sort of convince the audience of what he's saying is like legit and like interestingly like enough to follow and his bullshit starts to fall apart it's almost kind of like and it's not a bad thing for the movie but to fall apart like how like the flow it starts to fall apart because mm-hmm. early on where like everything's sort of moving nice and easy it's kind of like a relatively a to b to c movie about like you know some avant-garde flourishes and shots and things like that but once things start falling apart with his narrative, like the movie kind of starts acting weird and changing up on you a little bit. And that's where I think the movie kind of loses some people because that flow is interrupted a lot, I think. Yeah, pretty much everything in Philadelphia, all of like the processing montages yeah. and the walking back and forth and turn my eyes green, turn them blue, turn yeah, them black. black yeah. Which it was really cool when they turned black. Yeah, yeah. I did enjoy that. Um, but that's where it kind of is just like, okay, well, what, what? We're bouncing all over the place. We're doing flashbacks because he's trying to remember Doris and all these different things. And it does kind of get a little disjointed in that moment. It does, yeah. I, but, like, I've, after seeing it a few times, like, that sort of section of the movie is, like, it's completely deliberate in its pacing. It changes completely on you to disorient you, mm-hmm. to mess you up, to make you doubt the movie, doubt what's going on, and then it kind of just does its own thing at the end. Again, we're jumping a little bit ahead, but I'm just saying, like, for the sake of how things sort of fl- flowing into Philadelphia, it gets weird quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it wasn't weird before, it gets even weirder. Yeah, because when 
when is the naked woman scene? So that's in Philadelphia. That's in Philadelphia, but it's at it's the like beginning the before night. he gets arrested. Before he gets arrested, yeah. yeah. So it's there. It's the first night. Mm-hmm. He's like he's drunk, and he's and it's a hallucination, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. That's the way I read it. That's right. yeah. Is that it's not same thing with the um, Rami Malek's wife is jerking me off in the seminar. Like I assumed he imagined that too, because it seems out of character. When later on, she's like, "I think he's in love with me. I think he wants to fuck me." Right, guys. Is, See, guys I thought she vibe? might have been doing it, and now it's it's she, a, a it's, weird way of like I own you too, and mm. then the the dismissal is like then yeah he's trying to fuck me. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, that the, was how I read it. There least. is something that's said to Walking Phoenix's character before the whole naked dance party thing, and I don't know if I wrote it down, but it. He seems pretty happy to be there, and I think Lancaster Dodd says something to him, and that's where his face changes, and he gets all upset, and that's where he's kind of like a sad dog, like in the corner watching everyone else have fun. Mm-hmm. I, I'd have to go back and watch it, but it's not just because he's drunk, like Lancaster Dodd says something says, to him, but, oh, or someone yes. does, and it just triggers him. And he, the worm turns. It, exactly, yeah. Okay. But that's where, like, if he's, and I think in that moment he's so, like, drunk and upset that, like, he's trying to find something that like makes him happy and again we didn't really touch on this but he's kind of like he's obsessed with sex yep. he's like he constantly is thinking about sex like into a gross gross nature gross <laughs> but like that's something that gives him makes him happy i think yeah. so when he is sad he that's what he's thought about he's daydreamed and fantasized that everyone in the, all the women in the room are naked of course all the guys in the room are not yeah but yeah that's kind of how at least i saw that scene play out that he was reaching for something to make him happy in that scene because no one was giving him any attention it was just like a wounded dog in the corner just watching everyone it just i just assumed it was a drunk fantasy rather than because i don't know the line you're talking about so it didn't register to me as being particularly impactful to yeah his character motivations i just assumed he was drunk off his ass which he is routinely he is routinely but there are many like spectrums to him being drunk where he's like he's terrifyingly violent drunk he's drunk happy drunk he's very upset drunk and i think this is where he was just looked very defeated looked like he made the night maybe started out good drinking and then just like just like anything else it get like like alcohol can just turn your emotions mm-hmm. immediately mm-hmm. and i think that's what sort of happened to him in this where it just at the end I, again i'd have to go back and look at it but it, it, it definitely ruined something for him it triggered him mm-hmm. I mean, there's also he he is drunk sexually too, because right at the beginning, he's drinking on the beach or whatever, and then he goes and he finger fucks the sand mermaid, sand lady, whatever, and then yeah. goes and jerks off by the water. So like, right. he gets drunk and gets sexual. That's why I just assumed it wasn't so much a triggering thing, but a all right, yeah. well, whatever. Like I'm tired and I'm drunk. Like I want to see some titties. We <laughs> <laughs> think about titties, right? I feel like that's. Also, when you start to see the shift between where Peggy had been warm and welcome, welcoming to him at one point, you know, there's a... With Freddy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a point during that sequence where she looks at him looking at her and he's having this hallucination, but it's like, there's a look that crosses her face almost of like, he's seen me. And it's like, she knows, like, she is living, she's experiencing the hallucination as well. Yeah, she's like, oh, Oh, he's looking at me with, like, some sort of, like, crazy sexual lust or something like that. 
And it, I think she knows more than Dodd knows that Freddy is not just like a liability, but really exposes. He's a liability, not in that he'll expose them and go out and tell everyone they're a fraud, but his presence, his inability to be cowed by their processing and, you know, they can't turn the whip into a leash is a huge liability yeah. for them. He just doesn't fit the vibe of the yeah. entire thing. So it just he just constantly stands out for what he's doing. Because if one person outside of the group sees the way he acts, they're like, well, wait, if you can't corral him and he's in your inner circle, then like, what hope do I have to trust you? Yeah. And literally, Amy Adams, Peggy, is the only person who could say anything to Lancaster Dodd. Everyone else cannot approach him to say anything about it. And I don't think anyone really does in the movie. Well, no, there's the scene at dinner where Rami Malek's like, I think he and wants I th- to steal your manuscript. And right. And that might be towards like the end when people start growing a pair of balls or whatever. And start mm-hmm. like, okay, someone's got to say something because Peggy yeah, it's is kind of saying it. But like early on, I think no one is saying it. And Peggy's the only one who's saying, like, this guy is going to kill this whole thing. And Dodd's not listening because he's drunk on his booze and he's just drunk on his vulnerability and he doesn't want – he wants to keep him around like a pet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He likes having that much control over something. If he could have that much control over his entire people, like, that's, like – that's end goal for him. But, yeah, the Philadelphia part is weird and then they get arrested. He gets arrested for, I guess – it's a civil suit for op- operating a hospital that's not a hospital or a medical center that's not a medical center. Yeah. Well, well he's built an organization. Yeah. Like, he's accepted money from this organization for some bullshit that he can't actually do. And there's also damages relating to a yacht. Yeah, he wrecked a boat. Gotcha, gotcha. I love the freak out in the prison. Which serves us a really awesome scene is the freak out, which, and I yeah. love, like, the split scene where you see someone. How they treat the whole situation. Someone who's even keel, can handle what's going on, and someone who's maybe been in a jail cell a bunch of times, or been in some situation where he has no control anymore, and he's completely drunk, and he just wants to beat the shit out of anything. A toilet, whatever, a bed. I think he takes a bite out of the mattress when he first gets in there. He does. Yeah. You can hear it rip. Like he, I don't know if he got stuffing, but he at least tore the. Yeah, he took it. <laughs> he yeah. destroyed that toilet. He's sm- and not in that... the normal way that you destroy a toilet. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean with his foot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I had to clarify there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, we've mentioned the other version. Too. No, yeah. this is not Naked Gun thirty three and a third or yeah. whatever. Excellent scene again. A really good showcase for just. The yelling and the screaming in this movie is top notch. You know what I mean? I think Great yelling. it would put what's his face to uh, Hackman. Hackman, yeah, put yeah. Hackman in the next cell over, and you got a <laughs> one noisy scene. I mean, the war of yelling men who are in love with teenagers. Right, essentially, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that scene too because they're both really losing it. Because eventually, near the end, Dodd freaks out too and he's like i'm the only one who likes you fuck you yeah, fuck, fuck you, you fuck, fuck you. you yeah now i gotta pee yeah now i gotta pee yeah <laughs> um, it is great i in i've seen this like again i've done other like reading after watching this a couple of times but there's like two schools of acting that are going on in this too you have like this very sort of old school acting in philip seymour hoffman where it's just like People talk about like Orson Welles, or yeah. like, and then just this like old school, and then you have like the new school acting, which is just 
you know, I can't even think uh, off the top of my head who sort of pioneered some of this stuff, but... Oh, like Brando. Like like a Brando, or like that, exactly, where it just... in, in th- Maybe that's reading too much into it, but it, I've seen it enough in other mm-hmm. discussions that it's it's other people have thought of it as well, which is an interesting perspective. What's the difference? Um, I'm just trying to get on the wavelength here. Uh, so think about the difference between... I can't do a good Orson Welles <laughs> um, impression, but, you know, the difference between a Cary Grant-style actor and a Mickey Rourke-style actor. It's a difference. You start to see... It's it, gray for sure, but... It's moving from, you know, people who worked in the theater and you did theatrical presentation mid-atlantic accent you're projecting you were very very regal very you know stoic very calculated where yeah someone else is a lot more brando is doing a bit you know streetcar which is a play but it's much messier he's mumbling it's Hmm. a you know not big broad facial movements it's very subtle so and you like see feel like that raw exactly yeah yeah like you see that raw emotion kind of bubbling beneath the surface mm. right and, and who knows maybe not it was not an intention by pta whatsoever but it's that type of movie is that type of acting that provides that discussion i think yeah where it just it's it's so wild to see that because again, you could have just two people yelling at each other that are two different, the same type of acting, and it's like this is just this is not entertaining. But you take two people, and you the, the acting is so different, and the background I think is a lot is different too. Because like you do have Philip Seymour Hoffman who is coming from theater, mm-hmm. and I don't think Walking Phoenix came from that background. He came from no, he was a child, child acting child and commercials actor. and things like that. So yeah, it's they're very true to they're not acting to act that way. They actually that is their background. So. It's interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, so whatever. They uh, they get released from jail, and there's an interesting scene where, well, first Lancaster's back first, then yeah. uh, Freddy, of course, because he just assaulted police officers, whatever, so he just spent a little more time in jail, maybe re- rebuilding that toilet. But um, interesting little wrestling match exchange that happens on the lawn of the house, mm-hmm. which, again, it... I think everyone else is really hesitant to even see him or very upset that he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Freddy's character, excuse me, Walking Phoenix's character, Freddy. But you can just see how kind of in love he is with him. Like, this is where you first yeah. have to be like, they, there's a relationship here with these two. I really thought I was going to go that road. Like, like a very explicit yeah. romantic relationship. Yeah. yeah. I did too. I was waiting. I was waiting for Because it's definitely bubbling. You think about it a little bit, but like that scene, it's like... Well, it gets hinted at. You know, there's the scene where Peggy is is jerking him off and she gives this speech essentially of like, don't don't go out and embarrass me. Don't... Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want, but I don't want to know about it. I don't want to find out about it. It better not be with anyone I know. Well, I don't want anyone I know to find Find out because they'll tell me. Yeah. Yeah. And it wouldn't be the first time that a cult leader used sexuality as a way to mm-hmm. rein in a subject. Sure. So I really thought it might be one of those things of... And, like, Freddie doesn't seem like the type who would have gone for that. In fact, it probably would have set him off to an insane degree. Yeah. To even insinuate that maybe he could go that way. Right. Especially in 1950. But it definitely crossed my mind of, like, okay, they're, 
they're real chummy and you know um l ron hubbard could have easily been like no we we were different genders in a past life and maybe we were maybe we were married and maybe we were you know mark antony and cleopatra yeah and that's how far back this goes so it's okay like like just lean into it. It's fine. Right, right. You recall us doing this before, right? Like, you recall that. Yeah, look into that time hole, yeah. Yeah, exactly. What do you recall? Yeah, he was about to enter his time <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it wouldn't have surprised me had it gone that way. Um, I don't think it needed to, but sure. it definitely kind of leaned in a little heavy-handed yeah. to but I, pull it back. And I think, I think the subtext is maybe there of one person is at least intrigued by it and the other person is just happy with attention. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think it's right. It's such a still. new taboo yeah. type of thing where, like, they're just both, or even Dodd is probably the one who would probably even initiate something like that before. Oh, yeah, absolutely, would. that like it would be even even him. Yeah, it wouldn't be about the necessarily being gay. It would have been about control. Control. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Over a subordinate. I mean, you have people calling you master for Christ's sake. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Basically anything to get him on the leash, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. And then, yeah, that's where we start getting, like, the more processing scenes where he... And I don't know if he does this as punishment for what Freddy did, but, like, the whole wall window situation where he's going back and forth, which seems like that feels a day like a or two. Punishment. Which seems like just even, like, a punishment for us a little bit to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it is, it is. It's, it's hard to watch. It's, it goes on for... Watching uh, Joaquin uh, Phoenix quite a bit. lick the, the window, to oh, the imaginary yeah. window yeah. boobs. I was like, I, enough. <laughs> no more. I'm tired. I was a little let down. There wasn't a payoff. Like, there wasn't a reason. It wasn't, like, there wasn't an epiphany. Like, there wasn't a breakthrough. There wasn't anything. It was just, all right, time's up. Give me a hug. But it didn't right. seem like it worked. I didn't see an objective. I didn't see any kind of hint towards, like, well, the I, reason. I, 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 think, I, think, I think the objective he, is to break him. Yeah, yeah it was bit. to break him in. almost like a wild horse. Like, like he maybe thought that he lost him after the whole jail situation and he needed to sort of put him through another round of testing and processing to the point where like okay i, I still have control over you mm-hmm. like this proved it this validated it you're good but it was a half punishment i'm sure too impossibly for other people to witness too so other people don't act out of line yeah because i'm sure everyone saw that and was like i don't want to fucking do that yeah I because there are some. I pe- too was a man in another yeah. life. Please don't. Because you do, they're not all enraptured with everything they're hearing. They may just be along for the ride. There's some sort of, you know, a roof over their head. They have money in their pocket, particularly with his son, which is like, are you crazy? Like, are you hearing what he's saying? Like, he's making this shit up. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, he the son's just there for the money. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of those people too were probably watching it like I was, being like, okay, when's the break coming? Like, when are we? This is going to end when there's some big revelation of, you know, he figures out it's not wood that he's touching, it's whatever. Yeah. And who knows, yeah, and who knows, I didn't, I'd have to look back at it again, but like how receptive the people were to what, like you said, like the payoff, was it lukewarm, was it like a thrilling, like revelation process like they had before, because we do sort of get that subsequent scene where Laura Dern's like questioning him about a passage in a book where people are starting to really sort of mm-hmm. question the changes that he has and what his teachings and what he has to say about everything that's going on. Yeah. So I think there is some doubt that's starting to be sowed into people's minds about what they're seeing. 
Yeah, there was no like there was no clapping. There was no like oh yeah. my god, he wow, what an might, amazing yeah, thing. Right, yeah. Yeah. The way there is with some other right. instances, they were like, okay, well we had lunch, and oh, I come back to watch this dude lick more glass. Yeah, come yeah. On. Dude, why don't they let me lick the glass? Yeah. I'll touch the glass. <laughs> I don't care. I want to find out what wars I've been in. Yeah. And then, like, we get the whole, like, book two's coming out, book two's book coming two, out. Book two, we have to go um, to Arizona. Which sounds exciting. I don't know, like, book two to, like, Dude. this chapter? What is that all about? Yep. But, yeah, then they go to, what is it? It's Arizona, right? Flagstaff or yep. Phoenix. Or Phoenix, yeah. Yeah, because the namesake is, like, their organization. It can rise from the ashes and... Oh, right, that's right. Very on the nose. The Phoenix Congers something or whatever. Split Saber, I think it's called. Split Saber. Split yeah. Saber is the name of the book. Yeah. The Cause was the first one. Well, is, and the name of their whole thing is The Is Cause. The Cause, the yeah. Cause. But I think the first... Probably named the, after the book. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Apparently book two sucks. Sucked, yeah. Might as well be a three-page pamphlet you hand out in the bus station. Which is a great line that he says, like, I'd hand this out at the bus station. It's that bad. Like, that's what I would do with it. Make it three pages. Joaquin Phoenix was like, oh, yeah, you want to hand it out at the bus station? I'm going to go beat your head at the bus station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even, like, well, I think it was a prior scene where they actually are handing out, like, flyers. flyers. Well, yes. Yeah. yeah Save yourself or whatever. or whatever. Yeah. Get processing. Find out what's causing all your pain and we'll fix it. Let us fix your past yeah. life trauma. Yeah. And even then, Freddy can't even, like, uh, come up with his own thoughts about what's going on. He's, like, just repeating what Remy Malek's character yeah. is saying. He can't even, like, he doesn't even he know, like, how to sell. describe what the cell, what the hell's going on yeah. anymore. But, yeah, he does beat that guy's ass a little bit at the bus stop. Oh, yeah. And I'm trying to picture, well, before that, we, I, I just, for some reason, I like that scene where they go in the desert together and they just unearth this box. Yeah, what yeah. was the point, like... This is where I checked out for a second, but I, I saw it all. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What did I? They just unearthed book two, so he wasn't writing book two at all. Yeah, during this, yeah, he just so had that's it already written and it had buried. Okay, yeah. Because so, when he was typing away on the typewriter, I assumed he was writing thoughts for book two based on the experience of putting out book one. Because I feel like that's what you would do. You'd write book one about the whole process, and then you write book two about the process of teaching the process. But book two was already pre-written. Yeah, so who knows what he was one. typing, whether it was some sort of, like, epilogue or appendices or whatever. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're meant to see, like, wait a minute. He has been writing any of this shit. This stuff can completely contradict what he's talking about. This is just more trash to feed my people and other yeah. people out there, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully, it, like I said, doesn't contradict what I said before because he seems that – he seems to be upset once he realizes, like, a lot of stuff in the book is, like, not... He's trying to, like, justify the changes. Yeah. We're, imag- was... we're imagining stuff now? We're I imagining... thought it was a good explanation. We're recalling... <sighs> yeah. Recalling memories or whatever. He's yeah. like, we're imagining them now? Now, what... I and he's like, what? What the fuck do, do you want? want? Yeah. What do you fucking want? Yeah. Me? See, I like the explanation, though, because I think it's a good point. And maybe I'm just in document. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe. Um, Adam? <laughs> but if you say recall, then people are immediately going to think only to the memories that they know of. Where if you say, do you imagine, it opens up people's minds to think more yeah. than what they've knowingly experienced. And theoretically, these trillions of year past lives live outside of your, the way your current brain perceives memory. Sure. So to say the word imagination... Because who knows, maybe imagination is only your past life. Like, maybe it's not a, 
you create something on the spot. It's a lived experience from before, and you just apply it to a yeah. different setting. So it's like, oh, I lived out this story in ancient Mesopotamia, but my imagination thinks it's in space. Mm-hmm. You know, it could work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I bought it. I don't know why I love it. <laughs> See, I buy it uh, not as like. I do think, you know, he goes out to the desert to pull this book that he's not, you know, he wrote a while ago and hasn't touched and he's not writing anything new. But my thought about the the change from recall to imagine is now he has a direct rebuttal to any future Mr. Moores who come in and say, you know, essentially like past memory regression is not real time travel. This is bullshit. Now he can say, well, this is more of a spiritual, we're tapping in, and mm-hmm. you can't tell me. Yeah, because re- like, recalling memories is one door to thoughts, and if you do imagine, then you're really just casting a yeah. wider net to other people who might understand book two more than book one. Yeah. Like a new, like an Old Testament, New Testament type of situation. <sighs> Again, another example of you can just think of or interpret however you would think that what he's saying or what the movie's saying about that, but... It is sort of there to have make snowball things and have things sort of fall apart for this whole group temporarily. Yeah. And I like that he brings Freddy with him. So now, you know, Freddy is this one other person sharing in the secret, his life's work. Yeah, that he trusts him so much. Yeah. Desert. Yeah, I thought it was a test because he had had the conversation about he just wants to steal book two from you. He's like, all right, well, we'll go to the desert and we'll unearth it and we'll see what he does. That's that is also a good point, yeah. And then I think the following scene is like is it the is it the dinner scene or are we jumping ahead? The scene where we talked about earlier with Remy Malik questioning the book two That happens before they before go to the it is okay. That's why I thought okay. it was a test because the the scene at dinner comes post arrest mm-hmm. and I think while he's still in jail and then he comes back. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's back already or not, but it's right around that same time. So that's way before the book two stuff, because he goes and gets the manuscript for book two. Then they have the rally, the first Congress or whatever it's called in Phoenix. And then that's when he goes and beats up the dude at the bus station and then goes off to go meet Doris's mom. I do like the the sequence where he's doing the photography for the split saber. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's just a fun little sequence. Is it in focus? (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> really great just like with the arts on the on the ways yeah yeah so after the book announcement that's when they go to the salt flats oh yeah the, the pick a point scene yeah which is yeah i get i i i don't know what exactly that scene still is in my mind or how i look at that I think originally, I think, okay, they're trying to trick him to kind of, like, take the bike and go as far as you can. It's like, okay, guys, let's get let's get in the car now and leave. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Drive he's caused too much trouble. Can. Don't look back. Don't look back. And, and at least you've got a motorcycle. Right, you yeah. You to go. We're it's like, ditching you. Yeah, like, leaving the dog, like, the family dog on the side of the highway or something. Yeah, but even then, like, he's looking at it and he's like, good boy. He's going real fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's neat. And then he's like, well, wait a minute. He's too far now. We got to walk. Yeah, I'm not sure if you say he definitely says he's going too fast, like he feels concerned for him, and then he freaks out and he's like, Freddy! So there might have been like a part where he wanted him to like to leave, and he started like worrying about him. He goes, He's going too fast. And just like yeah. come back. But again, I, I, I don't know because they wait for him to come back. No, they don't. They go walk to him. Cause then 
Philip Seymour Hoffman's walking, and then his daughter's walking behind. Oh, well, they, they drive and the, the car. And then Rain and Alex just driving the car very slowly yeah, behind yeah. them as well. That's right. Do they even catch up to him? Like, do you even see Joaquin Phoenix again in that scene, or is it cut to no, the next No, it thing? just cuts to he's in Massachusetts. Like, he's like, he literally drove on that little triumph, like, So, again, may, maybe the perspective is weird, but maybe that is the case where they, the intention was to leave him. Maybe. And they didn't, because I don't... Does that happen after he beats the guy up at the bus? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like one final straw. Like you, you, not only did you beat someone up, you beat someone up inside our circle. Like that guy has been like flown around for a bit. Yeah. He was in New York. He wasn't like a cop. He wasn't the pig fuck. He wasn't any of those other guys. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't leave him. He leaves them. You know what I mean? Like. No, right. But I think originally he's like, this is the game. And Philip Seymour Hoffman does it first to show him. Now, Fred, you go ahead. You do it. And they just oh. wait, and like, and he's like, he gets so far away, and the, and like before maybe they even can say like, okay, let's let's leave now. He gets concerned for him. He goes, he's going fast, isn't he? Like, <laughs> yeah, but then what are they walking to? I, I'm not sure. Again, I'd have to look at it again. I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've hoped by now you picked no, up yeah. a little bit more, but I mean, everything that we've talked about is all like. Mostly surface level, other than individual interpretations. Yeah, 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 but like the cohesive whole, I don't get. Right, right, right. The moment to moment all makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's where he goes back to Lynn, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. to see if he if Doris is still there after all these years, and she's not. And he has a really kind of interesting or bizarre conversation with the the mother. I love the John Day, like the John Day. Is he still ugly? <laughs> <laughs> So she's Doris Day now? That was funny. Yeah, that was good, yeah. And then, yeah, he's uh, and then he's drunk in a movie theater in Massachusetts or somewhere. And Usher comes up with a, te- a rotary so telephone hard. on a platter. So yes. great. I was a little Called sad he wasn't watching a Doris Day movie, but I'll let it slide. <laughs> Casper's fine. <laughs> yeah. Was it Casper? I, I could so. tell it was a cartoon. I wouldn't... I, wasn't sure if it was like a Betty Boop or... I knew you were either going to recognize that or look it up before we, we hit the uh, the post-discussion, but yeah. it is Casper, okay. okay. But yeah, the yeah. days where people brought out like a phone on like a hundred foot cord out to your dinner table or Delightful. poolside or... How did he find him? <laughs> that's the... Th- you know, that's another sort of strange... Thing that happens with this movie, yeah. And it makes you... Because I think what happens is Freddie leaves the military in 1945, has the Doris interaction roughly the same time, meets uh, Don in 1950, spends long enough with him that it's significant, but Peggy's still pregnant when he leaves. It's actually not that long because the Phoenix Conference is in May. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and he meets him in 50. I think the very first time we get a date, it's 50. Yep. And it's on the boat, I yep. think, like the wedding boat. Mm-hmm. So it's only four or five months. A few five months. months really. Yeah. And then two years, at least two years go by between him leaving or. The pick a point? To pick a point and when he meets the mother. Doris's mother. Yeah. Because at that point, Doris is 23, so roughly seven years have passed. So it makes you wonder, like, has Dodd been looking for him? Possibly. And, like, scouring every place that, like, a layabout would hang out. He's calling every screening of Casper. 
Mm-hmm. In the New England area. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, two years sounds he, right for uh, someone who's drifting from, say, like, say, yeah. yeah, from Phoenix all the way back to Lind. Yeah. Or does he just have this hallucination that he's gotten a call in a movie theater and decide to go across the pond? That's true because and when just, he and gets, seek him out because when he gets to England, there's no indication of. They're like, what did you hope to achieve by coming here? What did you want? And at no point was he like, you called me. Like, yeah. you asked me to get here. So he probably was drunkenly hallucinating or high in hallucinating or whatever. Because there's no indication in London that he was sought out. Yeah, or that he was expected in some way. And again... It Except for the line of, like, we we knew each other in Paris. Right. During the Prussian siege. Yeah, he did tell him exactly what he said he was going to of, I finally remembered where I know you from or where we've met. Come to London and I'll tell you. And then he goes to London and he does tell him. But at no point he's like, thanks for the cools. I'm so glad you brought them for me like I asked. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like come to England like next, you know, Wednesday. I mean, he easily he takes a boat there. He doesn't take a plane there. Who knows how long it took him to get there. Yeah, he probably did it on his own here. dime. I don't think they have Western Union back then. And he asked for cools, and he only brought like four packs of cigarettes. He didn't bring like a carton or like a. Like a... <laughs> Do they have cartons in 1952? Oh, of course. Sure That's how they bought them. Why? Well, I you thought it was send all your kindergartner packs. down in to the liquor store and yeah. get you a carton of soft packs. And I love that he loves cools. Uh, yeah, I didn't buy cools. Nice I was a lucky deep. strike guy back you then. Were a lucky strike <laughs> in that life. Yeah. Yeah, you will have to seek it out, though, because I know there's a really funny outtake where they're in the boat, like, early on in San Francisco, where they're talking about cool cigarettes, and just the two of them, and they keep having to relight cigarettes because they just can't get through the scene whatsoever about how minty cool cools are. <laughs> it's so good. Minty flavor. The, the so minty flavor, minty yeah. Cool. Yeah, really interesting scene at the end. That, to me, is the highlight. Which scene? The The final. The final scene, yeah. Where he's back on the beach? No, mm-hmm. when he the final confrontation oh, between oh, in England, yeah. Sorry, I think even final final scene, not final scene. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, the scene where Hoffman sings, uh, "I'd like to get you on a slow boat to China," which all is all alone by myself, it's you and me. It's and it's weeping. I know. There's there's such You'll a be weird my sworn enemy in the next life. Such a wild relationship. Yes. So wild. And you and you can't like, you can tell Dodd is going the extra mile and meeting him at like the twenty five percent mark because he's just not mentally capable of I think of that type of love. Mm-hmm. So he's overreaching. He's not meeting meeting him fifty fifty. He's like really digging deep. Mm-hmm. And be like, I'm here for you. I want it all in my mind, all to myself. Yeah, just stay. Yeah, and you can just see that like Phoenix is just like a dog, like just. Yep. And then he goes and hooks up with a woman at the bar and then uses the same trick that Dodd used on him. Yeah, he yeah, tries to find, like, he's the, for the first time, he tries to be, like, the master of someone. Yeah. You're the bravest girl in the world. I was like, oh, gross. <laughs> it's a Sneaky. weird, weird, weird fucking scene. It is a weird fucking scene. It, 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 is, it's it's a, a, it is a weird, a weird fucking scene. scene. And it's a weird fucking it's scene. It's a weird fucking scene. <laughs> And I think right after that, we cut to back on the beach again, which bookends. Well, there's some there's some flashbacks, and I don't know if they're all right here, if they're spread out a little bit towards the end, because you see him, 
He's back on the ship. At one point, he's in like a hammock with a bunch of soldiers, and he's reading the letter that made him cry, who I assume is Doris writing to him, saying, thanks for being a soldier, I guess, because they don't know each other, or maybe they do. Yeah, it's just the netting that surrounds the boat, so if someone falls over, it catches them, but you can just hang out on it. Yeah, so he's reading there. He's back, passed out on the beach. I feel like there was one other... He's trying to build the sandcastle again at one point. Oh, and it... And, it it, like, the away. water comes up, and he's like, ah, the boobs! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're right, Adam. All the shots of, like, the water in this movie are oh, just, like, gorgeous. captivating. Like, it, just, it pops so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, all, all the imagery in this movie just looks so good. It sounds good. I love Johnny Greenwood's score throughout this movie. I do, too. There's a couple of points I didn't really dig it. The very beginning and the one scene where they're all in an elevator... Where it's like too much banging and popping boom, and boom, 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 it was, boom, boom. It was oh. like yeah, yeah it was too like... distracting. Like it was like I was supposed to be paying attention to the score, not the movie. And I don't like when scores do that. Like I want you to be an accompaniment, not the thing I'm supposed to be paying attention to. The one in the beginning it irked me because it was also being used almost as sound effects of him like cutting open the melon or the coconut. And every time he hits, it's a, it's a snare, and then it's a tom, and then it's... And I'm like, okay. It is, yeah, it is, scale, uh, it is unconventional, scale and it back. we will get into eventually, but he did do, like, a, a very similar thing with There Will Be Blood, hmm. so you'll have, we'll, we'll get there eventually, but a lot of people... Because that was the first time he kind of did that type, where it's just very... It's, like, offbeat, it's, like... It's yeah. just, like... You're right, it feels kind of weird. It's, like, indulgent in a way that I don't really ever want to score to be... Like, it can be loud and it can be bombastic as a score, but when you're telling me, like, look, listen, listen, listen to this music. Listen, you hear it? You hear it? This is this is different, right? You guys yeah. you hear this? You hear this different thing? I'm like, okay, yeah, but I want to watch him. No, I, I, I hear you. I always typ- I typically want to score to accentuate what's going on and not grab my hand and say, this is thrilling or this yeah. is funny or this is scary yeah. or whatever. And I'm not sure maybe we talked about this or maybe I was talking about with Zach when we saw Candyman or something like that. But very much the score being a part of the movie, the soul of the movie, and not so much like, hey, it's me. Like, I think like Hans Zimmer does that a lot. You yeah. know what I mean? Again, like a lot of Hans Zimmer shit, yeah, a lot of like, times it's very much. Now is the time hey, to I'm feel on... excited. Yeah, yeah. Now is the time to feel sad. Yeah. Grab your popcorn. Eat it. <laughs> Um, popcorn in the air. Yeah, you're jumping. Yeah, you're jumping. <laughs> but yeah, it was really. It was really only those two instances that I noticed it. Other than that, it wasn't a big deal. It worked very well. But in those two specific instances, I was like, "All right, yeah, chill." <laughs> I, yeah, I think the percussion parts of this movie are, is, is kind of nutty. But like, like the chimes and like the sort of like a lot of what, what sounds like a wind violent. chime outside, or exactly. Yeah, it it sounded very similar to a lot of movie scores from the 50s too so it just feels right. i mean it used the same sort of instruments but it just it made him just a little bit off kilter when it used more of a minor score than like a major score mm. or, excuse me a yeah, major key but um yeah really enjoyed that element of it again it looked great yeah i think I, again i don't know what other applications you would really use it for but like shooting that movie like on film like 70 millimeter it just I don't know if I if I didn't if I'd said it before you would have mentioned something about it afterwards, but I mean to me at least it just pops like everything pops. The shadows on people's faces and things like that look really just. I mean, yes. there's times where like Walking Phoenix's face is just like so crazy looking, and he does look crazy looking, but the way they light it, it just 
they make him look like an insane person. Yeah. And you can be looking at him in different lights, in different scenes, and he'll look very skeletal and gaunt and frightening, and then in a different scene, seem very scared and his face looks more rounded, vulnerable, puppy-ish, which adds to the dramatic tension at the center of the movie. Right, right. Now, like, as a whole, I'm like, so you've seen, you guys have seen a number of PTA, or not a number, a couple now, where sort of, does does this shift things for you? Does it make you more excited for stuff, less excited for stuff? I mean, you guys both seem kind of in the middle of the road about how you feel about it. You may need a couple of days to think about it. I want, yeah, I need, I need to do more processing. <laughs> um, I want to touch the wall. The yeah, more applications. Times. Yep. Um, I mean, I know where this sits in my Paul Thomas Anderson filmography. Was it better than Phantom Thread for yes. you? Okay. Yeah, it's smack dab in the middle of the three. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so, um, maybe it's more of a plateau and a drop than a steady decline, as right. I mentioned earlier. But yeah, I think this is way better than Phantom Thread because again, there's more. I think there's more to it, whereas Phantom Thread, which I said before, just it was nothing. It was just a guy who was a prick and he made dresses and everyone loved the dresses and he loves breakfast. Right. See, but I like Phantom Thread for that. Like this is like a little bit too. I'm like, oh god, I can't revisit this. But I can revisit Woodcock Reynolds ordering that breakfast yeah. multiple oh, times. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a d- multiple scenes. Yeah, I just it's, the, that movie is just shot so well too. The opulence in that movie is just it just drips opulence. Mm-hmm. The score and everything. Again, even with Phantom Thread though, you do get kind of like that master dichotomy with like yeah. her um, later on where she's he wants he wants her to be like the dom or whatever he wants to yeah. be the one like please poison me on a regular basis and take care of me. Yeah. So um, I don't have to be in Spoiler alert for our yeah. people, but it gets a little weird at the end. But yeah, at least this one, I feel like there wasn't anything, there wasn't anything going on on the surface for me in that movie. And there also wasn't a ton for me to think about. At least mm. here, I can think about things. And as we go through scene by scene, we've all had different interpretations of what one look meant or what one line meant or what one action meant. And it's like, okay, there's at least, there's something more that while I don't necessarily get it, right. um, at least I can think critically about it. Whereas Phantom Thread was just like, you either like this tale of opulent man or you don't. And there was nothing more to it, for me at least. So this at least gives me I think Phantom Thread is a little more polarizing than this one because people can latch onto stuff. They can relate to maybe things like we talked. I tried to like hint at it early before that we started, but talking about... You know, uh, things that are topical with, you know, the Scientology kind of becoming more popular in the news. And you got these things with What's-Her-Face on A&E, you know, the, the shows. Right. Yeah. So it's watching this would be like, oh, this is interesting. I kind of recognize this or they kind of taps into this feeling that I have about cults or whatever because there seems to be a lot of fascination of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For like, you know, but typically. Nexium has been a big yes. thing. Right, right. But yeah, this was this was better than Phantom Thread yeah. for me, but still not as good as Boogie Nights. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, even in Boogie Nights, you have that sort of like master thing going on with Burt Reynolds. Oh, for I, sure. He kind of had, I think, and you'll notice in like the other movies too. I don't, I'm not racing to go see Magnolia because it's not like my favorite of his, and it's three hours long. It's maybe the most pretentious of his movies. Oh no, thank you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I've seen I've seen the scene where Ju- uh, Julianne Moore freaks out like. 
you ask me about my life, how dare you in the yeah. pharmacy? And I'm like, I feel like I've seen the movie. Yeah. I've seen what I need to see. It's 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 a lot of movie and like like a lot of like all of his movies, like objectively, technically it looks good, but that's the one that like I've just I'm okay not revisiting mm-hmm. maybe ever again. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot, but this is one that I like to watch at least once a year, every couple of years, and just revisit like those the feelings do i feel different about it it just it has a whole tone that's i don't think i've ever had like in the like a feeling watching another movie it's wholly unique i can't think of another movie like this the way it makes me feel like the way like the story sort of plays out yeah uh i mean i'm hard yeah. pr- i look i'm hard pressed to think one no I, yeah. I, i'm really i'm trying to rack my brain right now and I, I can't think of it, anything. Yeah. It does not conform to any sort of expectation you might have about it. Right, right. Now, for you, you think you like you like Phantom Thread more than this? I did. Yeah. I did, just because this movie just... This is, it, it's, a, it's a lot mentally, and oh the other God. one is like, if you, like you said, if you're on the way with the Phantom Thread, thread and you like this watching that, t- it just, watch, it's just like watching watch a moving it. painting, it's just like, yeah, yeah. and like, he says like, catty things, and there's beautiful dresses, and delicious looking food, and his sister-in-law comes in every once in a while, and is a funny bitch, and like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just right. like, things happening right 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 it feels a little bit like beauty and the beast like when all the different foods are like going by like all the different <laughs> hors d'oeuvres you know what i mean right, like right. try this try that you like this try that you like fashion you like poisoning you like bitches <laughs> you like dancing you know what i mean that's right random threat. it's great well i don't know do you guys have like any additional thoughts any favorite scenes performances anything you want to no i think i covered it for me at least i need to process good well add while you take it away from us bud cool all right well that'll do it then uh for this week's episode of fine i'll watch it remember you can find every episode of fine i'll watch it every thursday morning on google podcast apple podcast podbean stitcher and spotify you can also find us on facebook and twitter at broken clock pod so let's know what you think of the master what you think of paul thomas anderson's work do you have a particular favorite film what do you like about Philip Seymour Hoffman or Joaquin Phoenix? Is Joker his best movie? Is it not? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. Uh, Johnny, happy birthday. Thank you. Happy birthday. Do you feel like this was a good birthday? <laughs> I think she was ready for another bar. But, uh, <laughs> Sorry, my mistake. Uh, was this a good birthday present for you? Yeah, this is good. Again, I just... This is a movie that would have been hard to sort of like on a regular basis convince you guys maybe to watch. <laughs> so I think thank you for allowing me to show oh, you this yeah. and to watch it again. Yeah, I'm not getting you anything now. Yeah, yeah, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, no, that's just, this was this was good. This is all I needed. So thank you very much for allowing me to show you guys this. No problem. All right. Well, as always, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Bridget. And I'm Johnny. And thanks so much for listening.